Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I'm a Jew talking housewives on Shabbat. All I can say is hello. <laughs> I'm dead inside. <laughs> I like that I was literally rolling my eyes. <laughs> I, said, I can't do it. I can't do it. Apologies. He- he- Heather Chala Thompson with us. I know. Heather Thompson, who who is a delightful person. Had, had a, I, had a I can't imagine weeks. ever had a rough couple weeks. Yeah. I cannot imagine saying that sincerely. Hello, like I, I obviously I have my like little Hebrew spin, but like hello, I just can't imagine <laughs> in the way that she says it with her vocal inflection. I I can't imagine doing that thing so many times that it becomes a part of me. I mean that's. That's like how Carrot Top's based his entire career. Like it's like so natural to him, but for us, it's hard to even imagine. Well, that the reason I said I'm dead inside. Heather, I talked to Heather Gay this week from Salt Lake. Yes, and she said that was her original. Like that's the line she pitched them was I'm dead inside. I'm I'm dead inside. So whatever happens now is just okay. Like it was like something. I'm trying to think of this, but it was it started with I'm dead inside. So whatever happens from this point on is all good. And like she was like, well, that's how I really feel. I'm like, there was no way they would ever approve that there was just no way but i was like what a great like i'm dead inside (laughs) and spinning around with a dress i cannot imagine heather saying it but i love that kind of like dry dark humor which hopefully we'll get to see from her her second season and she well she said it was based around like she said it was like because like 
she didn't count on the divorce and everything that went with that. So it's like that thing of like, she, I mean, she mentioned it multiple times. It's just like, that kind of killed me. And at this point I'm kind of like that thought of living on borrowed time almost of mm-hmm. like, you mm-hmm. know, and I, and I kind of commiserated with that because I've, I've been through divorce and it was, you know, you just don't ever expect it. So at this point, like my life is like, I didn't expect to be doing a podcast about Bravo. My life is so completely off track so at this point it's like, well, whatever happens is, is, is cool. You know, like I did, I, you know, when things are like kind of so off course that you're like, it starts to be like kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. that's what I thought she meant, but also she said she's dead inside, you know, hi folks. I- hi, Andy. <laughs> hi, Andy. What's up? I'm so, I'm so into all of this and like the energy already I'm obsessed with you guys a very, I mean, we're just going full all in from the jump, which I love. It's Andy's growth. It's episode 225. And I'm so excited to be joined by one of my absolute favorite people. You know him as the host of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Mr. Ryan Bailey, how are you? 225. I said, hey, could I be on episode 225? Because that number means so much to me. So this is exciting. for. Hello, everybody. Hello. How is everybody? Hello, Andy's Girls Nation. <laughs> I no for real. This is this is you are you are privileged to be listening to, not because of me but because of Sarah. Wow. So I am I am happy. Thank you for letting uh, my ears uh, your your wow. ears listen. No, that was wow. all complimentary. Ryan, wow. That was complimentary. I to your know. Audience. Say other wonderful things. I'm so into this. It is a holy night, Ryan. It is Shabbat. Shabbat which someone told me. Someone told reminded me. I was like, oh my god, that's still a thing. Um. How are you? How I'm are you good. Doing? I mean, I'm good as I. I'm. I mean, I'm good as can be. I'm on a Kathy Hilton high this week, but there are lows. You know, like I'm having lows. There's, of course, the Real Housewives of New York situation at the end. I'm a low with that. A high with Kathy. Like there's, I'm, I'm all over the place, and my personal life doesn't even really factor into any of this anymore. Like, do you find, like, there? I don't even know, like, what, like, do you, do you, do you even have a personal life anymore? I just feel like it's all. In intertwined with Bravo, where I really picture somewhere like Kyle is like, wow, Ryan really didn't have a good week. This like I feel like they're talking about me the way I'm talking about them. Like Kathy's like, I'm obsessed with Ryan. I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> um, such a good question. I I am attempting to get back a personal life. Uh, this is. So dumb, but I had a I did a um hour and a half long Patreon episode with Tom from Dumpster Dive. From oh, Dumpster Tom Hamlet, Dive, I love him. Yeah, yeah. Who I love, but we were to, we had like an extended conversation about life as blondes, like just living the blonde life, and the fact that I something one of my favorite forms of like self care is a cut and color. I love spending a couple hours in a hair salon, shooting the shit with my favorite people, you know, getting drunk on free champs. And I'm so excited to do that again in a couple weeks. And then immediately following that, swiping right through the end of the summer. It's going to be hashtag shot girl summer. Like (laughs) things are happening. Things are cooking. I'm going to get a Manny Patty. It's like all this dumb shit that I love that like brings me joy that i mean not the swimming right but well i'm you know (laughs) by the way by the way i'm so dumb that i just picked up you meant dating app i'm like yeah let's swipe i'm like i'm like oh is this like a patreon thing like swipe right to join patreon like is that i yeah that i realize no and the cut color thing is very important for i i always regret not having 
not a, that I had a choice, but straight hair. I have curly, wavy hair. I'm I like, have wavy hair. But like, you can't go in, like I can't go into a barber and be like, let's try something new. Like, there's no. <laughs> it's like, well, why don't we just keep it wavy? Like, there's nothing. Like Brad Pitt can go into places and be mm. like. I can grow it mid-length. I can grow it. Like, he can grow hair at will, and that's when you know you know you're going to be famous if you can grow hair at will. And there's a couple people that are just so – I think uh, – who's the guy that plays Thor? He's another guy that's like that. He can grow – Hemsworth? Hemsworth. One of the Hemsworths. He can get his hair yeah. short, long, and it's got to be so awesome to try different hairstyles. I've had mm-hmm. the same hairstyle since I was, like, a baby pretty much. I mean, I have to say I have wavy hair, but that hasn't stopped me. And I mean that in the absolute worst possible way from trying a ton of different hairstyles. And I've done every color. Like I've done blonde, blonde, platinum. My hair was essentially white for a number of years. Ginger, red, scarlet red. I've done. And it's fun. It's fun to just like experiment and do these things you're where like, you're, you're outside. Like Tom and Sandoval. Can see you're you. like the Tom Sandoval of podcasting. Oh, my God. I die for the the way he spends more time on his own regimen than I ever would but I love him for it oh, I, I love the people who put in quality time I I am a huge Tom Sandoval fan I can say that like without irony I I love people that are passionate about everything they do like I just mm-hmm. don't I don't have the patience to be passionate about my look like that I mean like in my like it all ended for me in like m- like elementary school, I remember seeing this River Phoenix movie called Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, and he wore like a sports jacket. Like I remember on the cover, it was like a sports jacket, and like you know, it was a young kid with a sports jacket. So it was that in the movie The Lost Boys, Corey Hames fashion in that, mm. and they were wearing like colorful button up shirts and like sports jackets. And I remember in the fifth grade making my mom take me to like Ross or whatever cheap store there was to put together an outfit like that. And I remember going into fifth grade going holy shit, like, I've really, this is something. And and I look at pictures now, and it's like, oh, my God. It looks like I half-dressed for Easter. You know, like, it was like, <laughs> uh, Ryan got to pick out what he was wearing to Easter mass today. And it was so bad. Like, that's the last, like, I have, I have delusions of grandeur. But, like, I have extended fantasies. I talk about this all, like, I used to dream about being Teen Wolf. Like, t- like the movie, did you ever see the movie wow. Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox? Uh, of course. They celebrated him when he became a wolf. Like, he was, like, the reality of that situation is if you became a wolf, you would, like, the government would hunt you down. And this high school celebrated him except for the principal. Like, girls were, like, sleeping with him. He was the star of the basketball team. So I would be, like, I would be picked on in, like, elementary school and middle school. And I used to dream if I could only wolf out that... People like I would be like, you know, that envision of people throwing you up on their shoulders and like Ryan, Ryan. And like, that's what being a wolf would do for me. And like that's that's the kind of fashion I'm into. You wanted big Rudy energy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But and I exactly. think that's great. Yeah. I think that's great. I also think like whatever makes you feel good, it it actually genuinely does not matter what it actually looks like. The importance is how it makes you feel. And I was trying to have this conversation with somebody the other day where I was trying to explain like the idea of dating and like the hair stuff and like blah, blah, blah. It's 
to me connected but has literally nothing to do with that other person like I'm not doing these things so that someone can look at me and maybe feel so I'm yeah. doing these things because they make me feel good and I want to feel great and we've been through so much shit that it's like yeah I want to care about this stuff again I stopped caring about almost everything except for not dying and I'm okay to reshift focus <laughs> once more and <laughs> care about these little minutia things that that people used to judge women yeah. for caring about, but are actually great things. You're taking to the power back. And energy yeah. In. yeah. And also like, God forbid we talk about the frivolous things that we love. We honestly, we now understand how it's essential. Some of those activities and moments and conversations can be. So it's like, yeah, like get back some of that power, get vaccinated. Do you know, don't like, go to a fucking rave tomorrow. But... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are you one of those people that are like pro-vax? I'm, I'm, I'm joking. You believe? <laughs> that's, that's my new thing is like Can to scare you... people and be like, oh, okay. Are you like a fan of Fauci's? Okay. Okay. Well, anyways. Um, so you're putting on your Monique Samuels cap right now is what <laughs> yeah. you're doing? Your I'm just saying QAnon makes some points. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Tom Hanks, can we really trust him? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so what's what's the what's the life like in LA right now? What's the are you doing stuff? Are you seeing people? Are you um, going to dinners? Are you doing outdoor I did, dining? I went, yeah, I went to I went to Tom Tom twice, and that was actually three. It's actually three times I've been now. I went to wow. a friends and family night, and then I've been two other times, and it was the one. And it's so they built this new front outdoor patio, and I've been vaccinated and all of you know so. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was, I was wondering if there was going to be that moment where you like tear up and you're like, Oh my God, I'm back, you know? And it's so funny how you'd kind of get back into the swing of things, but then you'll have moment. Like, I remember a couple moments looking around and being like, Holy fuck. Did we just go, th go through that? Like, did we, we're just like, this is now we're just life. Life is like this again. Like I, it is funny. I, I think the next thing that'll be huge is going to a concert you know is that i mm. i was a huge concert goer even by myself i love live music i love that energy mm -hmm. and i when i see countess luann for the first time i know we're gonna be all right <laughs> i know we'll be all right no i i went to i was at joshua tree a couple weeks ago and there's a place called pappy and harriet's and outside it was a saturday night and they have this whole outside area and there was a three-piece band playing <gasps> Um, but not like it was just a bar band. It was just a bar Love. band. And I could have, I, if you had seen my face, I, I, you would have thought I was watching the Beatles. Cause I was like, holy, I forgot how, and they weren't even that good. But to me, mm -hmm. after not seeing live music for that long, I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, it was just so nice to sit with my mask on outside around people uh, drinking and just listening to covers. I mean, of, of even covers of the e Eagle songs. I was like, yeah, Hotel California. Woo. <laughs> I'm from California. Yes. You know, um, those moments, though, they're, 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 it is funny, though, how much we are creatures of like where, where we kind of adjust really rapidly. Where I was back at TomTom, Tom even I was like, okay, yeah, I remember this. Mm. I remember this. Like, okay. You know, I don't know. I'm curious what the rest of this year will be. Like, if we'll catch up and it'll be complete panic when we realize what we did actually kind of survive, you know? 
Yeah, I think there's different ways of being a creature of habit. I think I'm kind of the person where it's like it it is a genuine adjustment for me where it has to be incremental steps. And I think that's also from like the underlying condition perspective and and also being a New York City resident who, unlike Ramona, didn't flee to Florida to probably infect. Half Wait, the when town. she are like, you I, one of the girls that were like shitting in public that Ramona was talking about? No, Rem- I wait. We weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. Ramona you. was like, Ramona Instagrams the mayor. Like, there are people pooping out here. <laughs> Ramona took a photo or a video of fucking Madison Avenue in the 70s or 80s where there is literally nothing. The only thing that's, de- I mean, unfortunately, yeah, a lot of the stores were boarded up. A lot of the stores were closed, but her pretending it was a war zone. I mean, I didn't go outside the first two months. I was literally inside in my apartment trying not to absolutely destroy my roommate who is who, an angel sent from heaven above. But I was like in no, I was in a mood for those. First I would, months. If, is there any way your roommate would come on my podcast? I'd love to ask some questions of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I went up to her and apologies if you're Ramona listening to this, but I said, like, I'm so sorry I was a cunt. Like, oh! I'm so <laughs> sorry. And she knew that I was. So we both were like, yeah, that happened. Like, you were a real dick while you were oh. on a work call talking about a gala that was getting canceled that I was supposed to produce. Like, I was not, I was not great. I also took the precautions to like the level of like, if someone gets a package of something, is this going to kill me? You know, yeah. like there was a scary time and it's a scary, it was a scary time being a New York City resident, knowing that you're in the global epicenter where there were sirens all day, all night. We had no idea what was going on. We, all we knew were, all we knew was that sort of the end was near for those of us who couldn't afford to, um, I don't know, flee to uh, at home somewhere else, which technically you shouldn't be doing anyway. Like we were all supposed to like stay in place. And the people who listened to that also happened to the people who couldn't afford to make another decision. So it felt a little bit like we were stuck and then having to do deal with the brunt of whatever the wealthier people decided, however they behaved. And yet we got through it. It was tough. Like watching other people fall in love with Cuomo was a huge joke for the majority of Manhattan residents because we have hated him for a while, yeah. for forever. It's not like the de Blasio levels of hate. It's a di- just like a different kind of love. There's a different kind of hatred of Cuomo, which I think some people are like catching up to now. But, um, you know, it was just it was a really difficult time. So I think exactly what you're saying, like there will come a time for many people when it's like you're diving in, you're going straight into like things that bring you joy, that make you happy, you're feeling great. And then all of a sudden you feel what I would quantify as signs of like post-traumatic stress. Not tethered to the earth. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and for New Yorkers, I think for some of us, it's just going to be a little bit more obvious because a part of my head like when I talk to friends who are like yeah the percentage is super low I stop reading stuff because it was so anxiety inducing so I still piece of me still lives in the space where it's like we are still oh. the number one in the world that's hard to I, grapple with it, it was insane the, the, the first part when every like I was watching 24 7 cable news and I'm not talking mm. even just 
MSNBC. I was watching Fox News. I was watching anything I could get my hands on, just about everything. And mm-hmm. um, I would watch Bravo and stuff so I could talk about it. But, you know, I missed out that first eight months when people were doing rewatches of everything. Like, I was like, oh. at the beginning, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll use this time effectively. I'll rewatch. I didn't rewatch shit. I just, I just watched cable news. And then... This last couple of months, like on the tail end of it, I was I started to like started to take on new series again, like new shows. Like I only had so much in my like I I was so ready for something more drastic to happen. Like it was the only time where if UFOs came and visited us, it would have done nothing. Like <laughs> it would have done nothing. Like I mean, right outside. I mean, I remember the Black Lives Matter protests right outside. I was I lived right on Melrose and right. Um, it was craziness on top of craziness. I mean, craziness, by the way, I believe in the craziness that why that was done for, but it was, it was just wild for one thing to happen after another, where I was so desensitized at a certain point where you could have like, you know, you could have thrown, like you could have thrown a brick at most of us. And at a certain point we wouldn't have felt it, you know, and then getting COVID on Christmas, it was just like, holy crap. Like, you know, anyways, when it comes to the, the protests, I was like, bereft because I couldn't go outside because the vaccine was a bit of dream at that point. And I live right by Gracie Mansion. Why am I pointing to my dresses? Yeah, it's like they live there's in the a closet, window. Right? Yeah. There's a window over there in my fancy apartment. Um and so I live by right by Gracie Mansion. So I would hear and see protesters, but I was not comfortable or in a position medically where I could like join thousands and thousands of people but i put up shit on social media that's like if you're protesting near gracie mansion you need water you need snacks you need whatever i'll leave it outside the door of my apartment <laughs> like that's that's all i can contribute when it comes to like I, I, hey, I, I hope you but... remember that during bravo con when i need food <laughs> oh my yeah. god can i tell you selfishly first off you're probably ecstatic that it's in new york i am so i had heard it was gonna be la un- so i was pissed well, this is based on no information from the network, but I assumed after BravoCon in 2019 that there would be some sort of expansion to L.A. because the two highest areas of like Bravo Lebs are New York and Los Angeles. So I assumed pre-COVID that the next one would maybe be in L.A. And again, not based on any conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. or information or anything. And then COVID happened. And then I was like, I've had conversations with some of our mutual friends just being like, it's. I see maybe 2022 and it'll be something yada 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 so they announced the fall and it's here and I would be this excited regardless because I'm the cheapest person in the entire world and buying a flight I'm like in my head I'm like no don't so but I am I could not yeah happier that it's happening in New York could not I mean it's just shocking because I don't think New York has a Dorit's room at Buca de Beppo. Like, I do not think you guys even have that kind of star power. And that's why I was we like, don't. we have Tom Tom. We have like that whole circuit. If you go 30 miles away, we got Dorit's room. We got, there are so many landmarks I feel like in Los Angeles. And I feel like the only reason I feel like it is, I was okay with it though. Cause it was like, let's bring, let's bring some jazz back to New York. Let's, mm-hmm. let's show them what New York is all about again with like a, a revamped Bravo console. I, I, I think I understand it. I think that really is one of the reasons too, is that like things do need to come back to New York things, you know, like yeah. there are certain things like my, 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 uh, one of my best friends has a, a very kind of like, well, the businesses that didn't survive, 
that's very unfortunate and other things will rise, you know, other culture will rise and, you know, um, but sometimes with things like New York and, and, and stuff like New York has always meant so much since I was a little kid to me and what it represents that I don't want that to I, I want that to thrive. Like I want things to me. I, I think there are certain things that I have not accepted yet will ever falter. Like it's the same. I feel the same way about Bravo is that I look towards the future. I want this. I want to be talking about this potentially in five years from now. I don't. That's why I get upset at other streaming services when I feel like 90 Day Fiance is doing better than Bravo. I'm like, mm. we need to make like I want things i want things to mean something i think that's part of the great joy of life is when you can actually have meaning an attachment over something of course sometimes it's bad but with bravo and stuff like it's like such a great group of people that all love this stuff i've met so many amazing people because of this stuff i want this to survive it's in my active interest to do whatever it takes to get like i don't you worry like are we bringing any new people in i feel like it's like i feel like we got the, I, we got all us we're passionate man we will talk about this till the day we die but are we bringing in any new blood? You know, everybody That's... needs to go out and grab one person and make them watch <laughs> Family Karma right now. You know, I mean, that's such a good question. I don't I don't know. I think it's really my focus has been like within the existing community. What are the shows that people need to watch that they're not watching? Like, for well, the yeah, Mar- married, to me- watching, married to Medicine and Married to Medicine, yeah. Family Karma, like for the people Can- who can't are get watching, away. <laughs> for the for the people for the people who you know watch only Vanderpump Rules, uh, quasi rest in peace, or only Below Deck, like what what kind of what are the shows that can introduce people where they don't feel the panic of like how do I start watching a show a franchise that's already thirteen seasons well, in yeah. like that's a lot of pressure and so it is hard to introduce people because we are so far along at this point. I think it's I was tough. talking about Real Housewives in New York and yeah like 13 seasons in if you're going like well you know in season six with Ramona what you got to understand is what she did here was very different than season one and then you bring it up to season 12 right now and then Leah of course entered and Luann Mm -hmm. you know if you start talking like this it is very hard to get anybody new involved because it's like Mm -hmm. how do I it's like Game of Thrones where you're trying to like connect kingdoms and stuff and you're like okay when when did the girl with the leg throw her leg like when was that where is she like there's so much history with this stuff that I think I don't know, but I think it might scare off some people sometimes. And they see us kooks like talking about it like this and they're like, oh, these guys are like just nerds. Conversely, maybe it'll inspire people to watch because it's, I would love we that. get so fucking excited talking about it. I mean, like, OK, so thinking about Bravo five years in the future, the Bravo community five years in the future. If you had some sort of time capsule that you were assembling to open again in five years that is representative of your love of Bravo now or the Bravo community now, what would you put in it? And that, it Wait, can that be I, ar- that it I can already be own or something that I grabbed from somebody in the Not show. like literal, not like literally uh, a program. Or oh, actually this would probably represent like a program. It doesn't have to be something you, you literally currently, I can't say literally enough, but like literally own. It could be something that is symbolic to you or an idea of something. Well, like what do you, what would you put in there? I <laughs> I literally <laughs> own this is that I have a first edition Oh no, I, I need it already. I have I have an actual wedding invite uh from Mr. Jack Not from Luann and Tom. No, Mr. Jack Mr. Jax Taylor to Miss Brittany uh Cartwright. I have 
a wedding invitation that was given to their guest, and it has Be Our Guest embossed on it from <gasps> Beauty and the Beast, and it has, like, the Kentucky Castle. When you open up the envelope, the Kentucky Castle's oh embossed God. on the... And then it's, like... And there's, like... It's, it is so... And I have this physical... And so it is... To me, and I have a shadow box that I've been meaning to put it in because I'm like, how? Because I always think, like, I need, I want to do a reality show museum. Like, by the way, at this point, if any girl's ever interested in me again, there's no way. Like, once they get to my room, they're like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, this guy's going to kill me. Oh, I'm dead. Like, oh, no. I forgot to say, I mean, I bid on Luann's wedding dress to Tom at one point over the pandemic, you know. I only could go up to $300, and obviously I didn't get it, but. I was like, imagine you go into my room and you see like a mannequin figure and it's like, it's a wedding dress. And you're like, that's Luann's from her wedding with Tom. (laughs) Wait, do you remember Adrian Maloof season one of Beverly Hills when we got the tour of her fucking mega mansion and she had her goddamn wedding dress framed in the wall? It was like the the bat. That could be you. The bat cave. Yeah, it was the. Yeah, I totally see that. But and now I realize even and you probably are like this, too, where you get a lot of Bravo merch or like somebody's nice enough to send you something and you like, it's getting to a point where even I'm like, well, you know, I have other interests. It's like, you know, like, it's like, I have other things I like. I, you know, I, it is, it, it, it's overpowering. Like I, I need to eventually have money to get a house or something. Cause it's, it's overpowering. It's becoming overpowering. I do not feel that way. The more, the merrier. I love getting a package. I, I no, love no, getting no, no. mail. I will, please, all the packages. I'm just saying. Send I even realize it's getting shit. weird. I even realize it's getting weird. You know. I mean, when it comes to the literal collection of it, I don't know at a certain point how you put stuff on display, on display, on display each and every day, every day, every day. <laughs> like I, I think at a certain point it could become a little tough, but. I mean, I love that. I love that you're that dedicated. That you're, you've been. To <laughs> oh my god! Three this, times. this feels like this feels like when people like talk to me like with pity. Oh, I love that for you. That's so nice. Oh my god, you're a champion. No, you're a champion. Oh my god, I, I believe in you. No, I really. I Keep it up. Really Keep up like the hard that. work. I, I really do. It's very attractive. I love that. What do you mean? I love that. It's very. It, it really. It fits. It suits you. It suits you well. On others, it wouldn't be as you much. You know. You know what I'm saying. You fully I'm, know what I'm, I'm saying. I'm the only one that goes into Tom Tom every time, and I'm like, why isn't there more of like a gift shop? Where's the merch? Like, I'm always like, I'm always like, why don't they do those pop action figures of you guys? Like, I always, and then I dumbly try to like bring it back to like guy shit I grew up grew up with like G.I. Joe mm-hmm. I'm like why aren't there action figures why I would wh- who's not gonna buy a Tom Sandoval action figure like I in my <laughs> head I'm like we're like a Jax one there's like a band-aid for like you know like nose job Jax what um what was the experience like going to Tom Tom for friends and family what did that so that was like so a my buddy, opening yeah, celebration my buddy, what was that like my buddy Logan not Logan no the DJ James Kennedy Logan from a couple seasons ago but Logan who actually has worked at Tom Tom from the I think the beginning he's really good friends with Ariana uh, and Tom and right. from St. Louis but he's also one of my really good friends even before I knew Ariana and Tom anyways he knows what a freak I am for all this stuff and I was with him and our other friend. Well, no, he was working. And then our other friend, Janet, um, who used to be really good friends with Sheena. And mm. so I was with, I was with them. And then um, a girl who was on the bachelor. Anyways, it was it was and it was like 530 in the afternoon. Oh, my God. And, but it was just cool. So it was like we go in there and we're in the front. And then 
you know, Lisa and Ken, like Ken like saunters up, and I literally mean saunter, like slowly saunters. He's just like <laughs> stumbling with the dog, you know. <laughs> and I, it was like they they sit out front because they're kind of like mascots in a way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all of a sudden, I'm just like, holy crap! Like I, and I started ordering there, and but and I gotta say this, I don't some I think Sir is like, you know, anybody that goes to Sir. Or knows like it's like it's it's like Planet Hollywood, but like even less mm-hmm. than. I think Tom Tom, I will argue, has some of the best, really good food, really good drinks, and I, I say that without irony. Like the the buffalo cauliflower wings that at Tom Tom are so good. Um, wow! But yeah, so we got we got it, and it was nice. I got a little buzz on in the afternoon. It was only like an hour and a half or two hours. The only weird thing is whoever was playing music all of a sudden piped like. They must have been doing it through their phone or something, and all of a sudden, porn, oh, no. porn came on. Like, uh, no, you're uh, shut up. I, no, no, you know that what? Did not no, happen. no, no. Ask Laura. No, that no, did not. Ask Laura Marie Shanals and Carrie O'Donnell, who were right next to me. They were like that was, and I believe they even mentioned this on their like, but that did happen, and it was just, it was just for like ten seconds. And here's a little here's a little tea. I uh, by the way, just kill me next time I say tea. I, I really here's a little tea. Hold on to your belt. Yeah. So um so this was the week all the uh all the Vanderpump kids rented uh they they're in Palm Springs, you know, like they were in Palm oh. Springs. Supposedly this gets brought up in the show that this porn got piped through the speakers or something. Which <gasps> I don't even know how that would because it was only like ten seconds, so I think that might be some kind of little scene or whatever. I don't know. So interesting. Um, and, and it wasn't being filmed, right? No, that's the thing is that they can't. Uh, this is there uh, until I think June fifteenth in L.A. Oh, you can't film like they can't. It has to be like I think less than fifteen people to be able to film. Mm. So I think right now all they can film is on like Mondays and Tuesdays when they're closed potentially. But I think that will change on June 15th when everything is full, full bore. But I mean, I was there on a Saturday night. No, like, and it was just jam packed. It was like, I mean, it was, it seemed like it was doing great. I mean, and by by the way, that whole area of West Hollywood boys town is just such great energy, you know? Yeah, I haven't been back to L.A. since, like, 2018. I did go to see you next Tuesday. It was remarkable. I spent 40 minutes talking to Paul James's. (laughs) (laughs) That was Oh, yeah, (laughs) Mr. That was um, an experience. And I was with a friend of mine who doesn't watch any Bravo, any Housewives, and he and I were both enchanted with Paul because it was he was a character. I love a character, and he is such a character that I, like, could not get enough of Paul, but I want to go back. I'm thinking about maybe like doing some sort of trip for business reasons. Well, that, at, um, at this point, it is kind of cool. You can like it kind of turns out like the business that you're doing and the business that I'm doing is like also really fun. Like so it's like, yeah, this is kind of business, but the majority mm-hmm. of it is fun. But speaking of see you next Tuesday, I remember this was like right before the pandemic in February. See you next Tuesday made its triumphant return after DJ <gasps> James Kennedy had been like banned from Sir. And so oh. I so I, this is actually on my this is one of the first episodes of my podcast. I went with my mic and stuff and I thought I was <gasps> I was going to cover it like Woodstock because I was like, oh, my God, like I, I was like. <laughs> I was like, is it, is it, 
can I even get tickets at this point? They're like, yeah, you just go to the door. I'm like, oh, there's no way. I was like, I got to get me and my buddy Jay. I was like, we got to get there super early. We got there like nobody was there. Like nobody was there. And then I was like, well, and then I was like, did we get the day wrong? Like, there's no way this isn't going to be packed. Like I was in my head. It was like the Grateful Dead. I was like, people are going to be coming from like other states and stuff. And I, <laughs> I did. I have a whole video of the whole thing. It was like. It was really sparsely attended, and like all that happened was that I got really tipsy, and um, I really enjoyed it. But it's one of those things. And then finally, I was even like, I gotta go. So I was like, Hey, I just went right up to DJ James Kid. I was like, Hey, can I take a pic real quick? Cool. Bye, man. Uh, he doesn't know me from Adam, so you know. But you got to do those on those big moments. It is also just the strangest setup because he's essentially playing his computer on a hostess stand. Yeah, yeah. It's well, so it's a very weird. tiny. Well. People don't realize He's at, like, that the entrance. they don't it's have a, a space. They don't have a dance floor. Like they don't realize. Right. Um, and then, like so, there was one time I went to Sir and like I they they have that front little space where DJ James Kennedy DJs, and then they have mm-hmm. this little I'm talking little patio area right off the there where it's like ten seats maybe, and all the Vanderpump kids were there, and I got waved over to like and by the way. So I got waved over to be in there and like Tom was making me a drink and it, I'm when I it was so claustro- it was so scary and claustrophobic but what was the weirdest part was the Vanderbilt kids were all drinking and like this was normal and then you turn around and it's like a hundred people just with their cameras out just with their cameras out just like watching like just like with bated breath while loud music plays so I would do like I was literally like blocking people's shots and I felt so awkward and weird and they were just so used to it like it was so it was just wild it was like they were being watched like they were in a zoo I mean that's similar to that there was a Vanderpump Rules essentially night at BravoCon where it was supposed to be like a party oh, the premiere, yeah that well there was that too but then there was also this event at night where they were in like the largest room at one of the BravoCon venues and James would DJ for a little bit and it was supposed to be like a club except every nobody was really dancing everybody was crowded around this little pen where the cast was assembled just getting photos it was literally like two or three hours of people hoping against hope to get a fucking selfie i mean it's it's t- it's like tough to party with them when you know that there's a bravo crowd because that's understandably so by the way what people are most invested in you know but like schwartz and sandoval i gotta say what i do like i mean i think they're really nice and i do give them credit though they if anybody asks ever for a picture i've never seen them say like and they also like they do it with a smile on their face like Mm -hmm. it's not even you know that sense sometimes and especially i've worked with a lot of like hollywood people over the years out Mm -hmm. here and like bigger name actors and they can kind of get to a point where it is they're just assholes. They're assholes. Mm-hmm. And I think there is, with a core group of the cast, they know how lucky they are potentially and how one in a million shot it is for any of this stuff to happen. Like, mm-hmm. essentially, I mean, this isn't the cast of Friends by any stretch of the imagination, but it is like they all came to be actors. This is valid work. This it has given them careers. Like, I. I worked at an acting studio where all of those Vanderpump kids had come in, come in at a certain point mm. and they're all amazing looking, but uh, they didn't have great acting levels. They weren't like, well, this kid's going places, you know, like they were extremely good looking people that have great personalities for the most part, but you know, they weren't, 
you know, it wasn't going to be like Angels in America all of a sudden, like, you know, <laughs> Tom Schwartz plays Pryor, you know. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it works. That's why reality TV works, I think, with many performers because it is an elevated performance the problem is that when the performance takes over from the person that's usually when there's a shift in either that person's future on reality tv or our understanding of who they are it's like are we going to unpack the performance or are we going to talk about the person who probably hopefully likely lurks underneath you well that's know? why it's- it always cracks me up seeing the interviews now with jack mm. with jacks where he'll be like uh oh you know they were trying to make my character gay at one point or, you know, they tried to make, well, you know, like he would say like, he was like, like he acted like he was like deep in like Daniel day Lewis territory. He's like, I just didn't like the director direction. My character was going. And that's just not me. I had outgrown. I had outgrown who they wanted me to be as a character. And I'm like, you, I think that is some of the most pretentious BS ever. When you start comparing your comparing a reality show to a TV show or a movie mm-hmm. or talk about yourself in the third person like you're a character. And, you know, it, it's just it, to me that that rings so false and so uh, cringe, you know? Yeah, and he was bringing that onto the show. He was talking about how he was the star to yeah. Lisa Vanderpump. Like, that's a good sign that you don't have a great future here when you uh, – when it's – edited in the I mean not to say that it was the editing but when it's shown in a way where you are so obviously the joke in this you know what I'm saying like you can say that I'm the star of the show you can have those kinds of conversations but when we all know that that is a farce you're in trouble you know I think the first year after a housewife or a bravo lab or any you know that, that they cease to work I always find that like I would love to know more about that first year and Mm. what and what and what kind of like and I'm not joking what kind of panic that might set in or Mm -hmm. that grasping at straws. I mean, we see Jack's tease like a big announcement every day or, you know, a couple weeks ago he posted like this is my third film as a producer in this last year. And it's like, okay, man, like like I just I love people that can unabashedly lie. And and the good majority of people will believe lies because they're just good people. But the, the also, you know. Producing films isn't as easy as, you know, it's not just picking up a piece of paper and like, I've produced this. Well, and apologies to Lala, but I think it was New York Magazine did a big feature on Rand recently. And the whole discussion of the fact that he it's like a shit factory well, when he's yeah. running, where it's just a ton of bad movies that they pump out because they're able to sell them abroad and they pay a shit ton of money to like C or D or possibly melted over B-list actors to do three lines and then you market it as they are the star of this thing that they did for 20 minutes one day for a million dollar check or whatever. So he may have done something related to production on these shows but the question is like was this anything approaching any kind of quality that will be seen at any point even video on demand here? Like it's not. No. That that article uh, that was called King of the Geezer Teasers which was a great Mm. title for that article but you're right. Like his basically he has this plan that he put in place where he'll uh, he'll pay somebody like Bruce Willis his asking fee of five million dollars and then you get to use him on the poster he only has two scenes in it only he'll be shot out within three days usually Mm -hmm. and if you go over budget he will refuse to do an extra day Bruce Willis but the thing is also Bruce Willis is like well why would he do that he has like some kind of quote unquote legacy it's because he knows nobody will see this this is goes to foreign markets you know his 
and my and this I feel like this is my uh, motto as well. It's it's quantity, not quality. He is mm-hmm. over like it's overpowering <laughs> you with shit. So eventually, it just then becomes like, well, he. I mean, he has all this to show for it. Of course, I've never heard. I've only heard of two of these films. I mean, Rand was a producer on The Irishman, but remember, he was not actually able to be uh, noticed by the Producers Guild of America. He was not able mm-hmm. to accept a, an award. The PGA mm-hmm. only allows three producers, and I think The Irishman had like eight or nine and uh rand was a producer in financial uh interest only uh he was not not able no there was nothing like on set you know rand was able Mm -hmm. to take pictures with martin scorsese and all all of that stuff but the funniest thing is you got to watch the new rand feature it used to be called axis sally uh axis and it's with al pacino and oh this girl, it was like 1940s film that's based on a true story. There's a preview on it, and I had like smoked a little something of something, and I watched this trailer, and I was like, wow, this is like, it's like a real trailer music. And I was like, there's Al Pacino, wow. Like, and he's, he's like, ah, you don't even know. And I'm like, wow, he's really doing his thing. And then you realize, oh my God, I think this could be one of the worst films. You realize, and then you're like, the head girl, I had to research it. She's a, a um, I think an ex-wife of a Russian oligarch that he passed away and she has like hundreds of All millions of dollars. And <gasps> I think she financed this film and then like said, oh, I want to act with Al Pacino. And Al Pacino was like, you'll meet my quote. And you can tell it's not really, <laughs> you can tell. When you could tell there's like, you know, like obviously there's a director that knows how to do, you know, put movies together, but it wasn't anybody that was able to direct Al Pacino's performance. So like it's a lot of like screaming and stuff. And because I was like, wait a sec. I don't remember the 1940s at all because I wasn't alive yet, but I don't remember a lot of the females having huge fake boobs. Like I like I don't know. And so but to me, I think Randall sees like, oh, my God, pocketbook. And, like, then I deep dove that girl. And for, like, a large period of time, you would see Rand and Lala with this girl and her new boyfriend. And her new boyfriend is, like, a, I think, like, a Hungarian or Slav. And the guy, this guy's in the movie, too. So she put her boyfriend in the movie. And I'm just, like, I've got – it's not called Axis Sally anymore. It's called something that's, like, Wings of – but watch the trailer because I really – everybody watches the trailer. I really want to get other people's opinions on it, but it's – it's so bizarre how that all works, you know? That is actually crazy. I mean, it's nuts. He's a it's hustler. actually nuts. He's a hustler. Like, the fact that Rand even is allowing himself to be on Vanderpump Rules this season, I think, tells you more, tells you everything that you need to know. Like, guess, you know, like, guess who's not on Vanderpump Rules? Martin Scorsese. He does not have to be on Vanderpump Rules. I think at a certain <laughs> point, you know, Rand is like, fuck, I do need to do this now. Like, I... I actually need to be on this show. This helps. And the his brand. money isn't good. Like he's the 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 unions are like, do not participate do not in any kind yeah. of because he doesn't pay people. He's like truly fucking with everybody. But he is. I, I met him once at my acting studio and he came and talked to all the students. Wait, Randed? Randed. And well, this I I've, oh, Rand and Lala. And I was the only one that I, like I knew exactly because I knew who Rand was at the time. It was before he was on the show, I believe, but Irishman was about to come out or something. Anyways, he sat everybody down in a room, and I got to tell you, like, he is a charming dude. You can get why he's a fast yeah. talker. He and, and he won the entire room out. He goes, hey, pass around a, 
this pad of paper, I want everybody's name and number. I am giving this information to my casting director, and you will all be called in for an audition for something. Wow. None of us ever got called for an audition. <laughs> but but it was the, but thought. It it was was the, the thought, thought of like, wow, this cool guy. And then Lala was just sitting to the side up there on the little platform with him. And she would like hop in. She'd be like, remember that time at Sundance? And, you know, and like, I don't think anybody knew who Lala was, even though to me, mm -hmm. Lala was the biggest star up there. Um, <laughs> but you kind of got the sense of the, the dynamic of that relationship. And that Rand, uh, you know, I hate to say BDE, but I think has a little bit of big dick energy, you know? It's just so interesting when you like remember that he was the IRL inspiration for Turtle on Entourage. Not like, necessarily. He was... He's one of two guys that was. I, I okay, looked into that one more. One of two, two guys. But he really he loves that. He brought it. He brings it up. He bring you know like that is. I think he is very and you know Hollywood is all about myth making. It's about creating mm -hmm. a legend and stuff. So. It sounds a lot better if he's the only guy that was the, you know, like, I I was part of that entourage. That's how it was, you know. Uh, but I do think that guy is a scrappy dude that makes things happen. I just wonder, it's the same as, like, being off reality shows for, like, a year like Jax or something. I just wonder what his psyche is like. He owes money to potentially so many people. What that is like every day for him to wake up have to provide Lala with a baller lifestyle, has two kids from one marriage and one kid from that. Like, I just wonder if he, he must love that fear. He must love waking up and just trying to make things work. And mm -hmm. we've all seen, I think this year, especially that I, I start to wonder if wealth actually even exists or if it's all just, you know, like Erica Jane and Tom Girardi or, or Jen Shaw, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I do wonder, mm -hmm. I'm like, is there any actual wealth or is people just waking up every morning and lying and spending and lying and spending until they one day get caught and hopefully that never happens? I mean, Beverly Hills started off with like seemingly real people with real wealth. We don't really know what the deal is with Lisa Vanderpump's money, but certainly Adrian Maloof had seemingly truckloads of it. And now we're st we're living in a hyper hyper-imagined world of Beverly Hills with the glam, with the everything else that wasn't um, emblematic of those first early seasons. And yet we're finding out that so much of this is a mirage. The Erica Jane, the Dorit stuff still has not been truly unpacked or brought to light or even honestly discussed. It's, I'm a, there I, are real uh, questions. I mean, I'm a thousandaire. Like I, I am, and I used to be a Okay, braggy. Yeah, but, but I mean, not now. I'm the, the stock market took a dive, but uh, I, you know, like there has never been a time, I think, other than this year where I've been comforted in my poorness, where I've been mm -hmm. like, well, at least I know I'm not going to jail for that, at least. You know, like I know mm -hmm. that I have not lied, cheated and stole from anybody. I know that at least. And I think a lot can't be said for a lot of Bravo's cast these days is that I think we see this like. You know, it's just so funny, too, is because a lot of these ladies, potentially, Erica Jane and Jen Shaw, might have been even inspired by the original iterations of Housewives. That might have led them to even wanting this glamour and glitz and to add their special sauce to it. Like, that is so dark to think about, is that they are second-generation Housewives to me. They are the like they are inspired by that initial mm -hmm. first-season wealth of people like Maloof. And they tried to put their own spin on it, and it all came falling apart part you know 
I mean, that being said, and I would, th- and then there are people like Leah and Ebony who I would put in like the third generation, third wave housewives. But when it comes to Beverly Hills, I was watching this week's episode again before yeah. we hopped on to I've watched it three times. Yes, I love it. I've only watched <laughs> it twice, but I will watch it six more times. I thought it was one of the strongest episodes of any franchise in recent history. It's unbelievable. But there's something that I just need to be really open and honest about. And guys, I know this is a safe space and there will be no judgment. I really deeply enjoyed Erica Jane. I really. In what sense? I thought her moments, her quips, her side eye, her deep, uh, quick honesty when it came to the Sutton and the Southern of it all. I was extreme when she I, walked over in that beautiful <laughs> outfit, the black leather with the black sweater, all of it with the ice cold, ice queen, blonde, platinum hair. But the, her moments at dinner, the martini, well, just, the just, doubling just be, down or whatever it's called, I died for it. Just to be devil's advocate. I disagree with mm-hmm. you completely. Like I, Wonderful. I, I think, and I know what you're talking about, but to me, it felt like a bad production of high school theater where she's like, I'm a brassy broad and I eat, I eat, let's eat here. I eat. And I, and the fact that Dorit ruined Kathy Hilton's brilliant prank by letting all those other girls in on it. I was horrified that Dorit ruined this gift, this gift from Kathy Hilton of let's prank these ladies. And then Dorit was like, I'll text everybody like that ruined this beautiful moment where it could have actually, we could have had Erica Jane truck a real martini instead of like, I'm in on it. And I got it like, this is very, this is how deeply I think about this. I think, you know, this as well as that the editors are the editors in the production, I do, I think, do not like Erica Jane at all because they are so deeply trolling her. Even leaving that stuff in there about Erica Jane in the car going, um, somebody told me this is where the most fugitives hide in Tahoe, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Who told you that?" She's like, "I, I, I don't know. I don't know." We know that they. She filed for divorce six days after this trip, so she knows in these scenes that this is an alibi potentially. I'm telling you, watch her closely. She wants you to feel the way you feel. She wants that. I'm telling you, there is something deeper at work. She is actually a little bit more subdued than we've seen Erica Jane. And I think she's really trying to let other people do their business. Okay, couple things. One, I think she's subdued, yes, but I don't think that has anything to do with an alibi. I don't think she would be referencing Tom at all had she known that the divorce would be taking place in a couple days from now. I think that was a very last-minute kind of situation where they had reached a crisis point and he didn't know what to do with like his money and stuff or whatever or protecting her assets, which could maybe include some of his. Whatever that is, I, if that had been in discussion, I, I just I don't know that I 100% am on board there. When it came to Dorit, I think Dorit was trying to yes and. Dorit was trying to like add on to this thing you, you, all in a way that I do... thought was really sweet. No, Sutton just ruined up, it. Fool... No. Not Dorit. Okay. I uh, Sutton, by oh, the we're way, gonna battle. Sutton, yeah, by the way, is yeah. one of the best silent film stars this show has seen in years. She's like a cross between that and the no more wire hangers, mommy dearest. Like <laughs> she looks exactly. Ah! And so the fact that so all Dorit needed to do was convince the other girls to drink. Like, let's do this. She then let everybody in on the joke. So then Rena was like, we're now pranking Kathy. Ha! No, we were pranking you. This is the whole point of that. Kathy 
in her weird brilliance, I thought, set up this amazing prank. And then Dorit being a st- stool pigeon, uh, uh, you know, somebody that, like, tells on people, she let everybody else know because Kathy didn't realize those other girls knew then, and it was Kathy's original prank. Dorit's the only reason that those other people participated it to begin with. They just sat there in shock that Kathy was doing this, what is it called, doubling down? What is it, the- drinking in one whatever the oh, fuck it's called yeah, I, I've never bottoms al- up alcoholism they were yeah. they were she, they were so in shock because they thought that Kathy and Dorit were truly bo- bottomsing up <laughs> but wouldn't you, you have ki- wouldn't you have killed to actually see them do this like I would have loved yes, to have seen Dorit yes but the whole point was that it was as Crystal said Kathy loves to do a prank it wouldn't have happened except that it was quite obviously a prank I would love to see these women get sloshed but the only reason that it was a continuation of what would have been an existing joke with just Kathy and Dorit was because of Dorit and I think that is in the best possible way the women would have just sat there and continued to look shocked they added on to a joke in order to like have a little fun I thought that was great that was what I loved about it but if you were Sutton though I'm highly sensitive and paranoid potentially about Same. Like, you would have seen all of those people texting under the table and you would have thought exactly what Sutton was saying is that you were the butt of some joke. I don't I don't agree with a lot of what Sutton's been doing, but I will say in that moment, I have been in that moment. Uh, I And I, I think you would feel really like, oh, I get it. I'm the joke again. I'm the joke. And when people told you this truly isn't what you think, I think you would take a step back and understand that, well, at regardless that, at of that whether point, or not you were still upset. At, at that point, sure, but she's a housewife. We've seen how she acts over, like, you know, she she has, I mean, even Kyle grabbed her and was like, you need to act like a lady. <laughs> I mean, I think Kyle was doing her a favor. Kyle was like, shut the fuck up. And like, listen, because you can be sensitive, but where Sutton goes wrong is her inability or disinterest, which is probably more important to her and more at the core of her being, in listening to other people. So literally anything could have happened. It could have been two people, and she still would have been thinking, they are talking about me just like she thought when she was showing up to an event last season, and she was absolutely confident that there was going to be the hairdresser that Joey Maloof that she didn't get along with and it was going to be a prank against her regardless of literally anything happening because somebody said something and she misinterpreted it. She is deeply insecure, which is very different from sensitive. And regardless of whether or not you're insecure, that's not other people's responsibility to make you feel better. And if people are texting under the table, you are being filmed for reality TV show. Obviously, there's a joke going on. When Crystal understands that you're starting to get upset about it, she does attempt to try to explain it to you. And regardless... You going well, on and on about this stuff is wildly I dumb. I don't believe Sutton knows she's on a reality show. I don't think she realizes that's what the cameras are for. No, no. I mean, like you know, what I'm saying mean, like Sutton. There, there's, there's a, there's a, a, a few wires crossed with Sutton that we obviously have all seen now. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, she is flaming out on this show, and I'm kind of scared to see the for the next couple of episodes. Kind of scared in a fascinated way, but it's like. I love, you know, you have this like Sutton. We were all kind of championing Sutton, however you say that word, uh, last season. And like, oh, we're so Mm -hmm. glad. Oh, my God. And it is funny, not how fickle, but how quick we turn on these people. Turn on these. It's like WWE. And it's like we turn on them so quickly. And then there's something like I think that's why Kathy Hilton is so amazing to us right now. 
just in the three episodes we've seen because she's just like this kind of like little spice of like, oh, that's so dumb. That's crazy that she says that. That's so funny. You know, but wait till she gets. I'm fascinated to see Kathy get a real scene of like substance. I want to see what we think of her then, you know? Yeah, I think with Sutton, Sutton is revealing herself, and we didn't know Sutton before. We had literally no example of who she was as a person, and so we're getting – I don't know that it's the audience being fickle. I think it's the audience understanding the nuances that are – Uh, evident in many human people and what a lot of us liked about her last year was that she was a little bit of a mess and she's showing that and she's also showing some of the complications that are inherent in her personality right now with Kathy Hilton we think of Kathy Hilton through like the Vogue the glamour the old money the whatever else and the reveal with Kathy is that she's much more of a normal kooky human person than anybody would have thought which is why it's like the reverse of the Sutton experience taking out Sutton's enormous blind spots it's it's the the idea that this person that we thought we knew because we had a perception of her from magazines and her children's social media that is now much more filled in are you telling me you don't want the south to rise again sarah that's i mean sutton's whole point is sutton's whole point is guys we have to be more sympathetic to the south like we i mean that was i mean come on that is wild that is a crazy and i she did the apology to crystal that i thought was like okay good you did your instagram apology but it's one of those things where it's like then we saw this week's episode and it like is an extension then it all of a sudden starts becoming like a track record, you know? Sutton genuinely doesn't understand what the problem is. She doubled down in her confessional. She was offended at Crystal because she felt like Crystal was making fun of her saying that she doesn't see race, which is accurate. Yeah, what did. Sutton doesn't understand is that that is a problem to say these things. So Sutton focuses on Crystal saying that girl because she's saying to Crystal, you made fun of me. That was rude. You need to apologize. Yeah. What she's not getting is everybody else, the viewers, the large portion of her cast as people sort of understand the the reasons that sentences like that are very problematic are all thinking like you're so focused because of your insecurity and your absolute inability to listen to other people you are so focused on god forbid being called a racist that you're not listening to women of color discussing racism you have no interest in hearing these women because you're so concerned about being called this word. Meanwhile, you're exhibiting behavior that is incredibly insensitive and problematic. And all she's thinking is you made fun of me because you called me that girl. And it's like, babe, take a moment. If a woman of color is speaking to you in a way that you feel is hurtful, wonder why that is because their anger may be well placed and when crystal's response saying something as a smart ass sarcastic that's a defense mechanism that's somebody saying to you race uh, color doesn't matter of course you're going to say something back like that of course you are because it's absolutely asinine and ridiculous and sutton doesn't care she only feels like i need to be treated the ways that i think i deserve to be treated at all times and we cannot talk about these things because i'm to get uncomfortable and the absolute worst thing that you could ever do to me is make me feel uncomfortable and there we are but i mean that's exactly right but that's why 
I think these scenes are so important to show. Totally. But also, it, it, it's the same thing with New York and that last scene with Ebony, Luann, and, and Ramona, is that, um, the, you know, this could all be solved with just act, active listening, of just listening. Like, there's no listening happening at these tables. And that's what's so funny is that the answer is right there, but we, we put our own egos in the way. Our own egos. Like, Luann, by the way, like Luann, if you ever want to see Luann turn red, is that she was also equating education with class and Luann's whole brand is class. So she thinks in her head she's no longer able to listen. She's no longer able to take on any other's viewpoints, even though this is somebody talking from experience that like you don't call uh, a, 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 a African-American woman, an angry woman. That is something deep and bred where it's very offensive and hurtful and triggering. Luann can't even hear that because all she hears is somebody saying, you called me not classy. You know, you said I'm not classy. I think it started as a conversation about class, but Luann interpreted education as intelligence. And then it went completely off the mark. Luann started by sort of having a conversation around class and then she raised the idea of her Catholic school upbringing and then because again of Luann's behavior it went completely left but I think with Luann and Sutton it's like there are both these you know intense moments that happen on these franchises at least on Beverly Hills Kyle was open to listening when Garcelle was speaking Luann is just doubling down and revealing herself where I don't actually know that the problem is Luann not listening. I think the problem is Luann doesn't care to listen and Luann is just continuing to exhibit incredibly problematic behavior as a, a as a weapon against Ebony because of her own insecurity or I don't even think it's insecurity I think it's Luann's interest in aggression I felt like Luann was very aggressive Ramona was was relatively aggressive in ways that made me so uncomfortable where it wasn't really a listening issue which you know I get is a part of it I think a lot of this is just genuinely Luann's character What's, do you, and I don't, do you know who I am there there is a do you know who I am like yeah. I I am the countess you know I've been here from the beginning like there is that kind of like cock of the walk kind of thing where you're like what are mm-hmm. you doing like, so I'm just saying that kind of attitude like I think we all saw where that scene was going the minute yeah. it started like I yeah. knew I could have predicted exactly how that was going to end and what was so funny was that you had Leah genuinely coming in angry back like, and forth screaming, and you're, you're gonna suck sluts, D whatever, and like your right, daughter right. sucking this and blah 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 <laughs> Act, like, actually an angry person and yeah. Ebony's getting branded as the angry one and I just love that they all just are like well that's Leah you know that's crazy Leah you know it's so bizarre to me that that was like right in front of their faces and Ramona even brushed it off you know she's saying like Ramona your daughter did this since she was 14 years old and Ramona's like no no that's crazy no 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 
Well, I think the thing with Ramon at, at one point, I think literally said like Leah deserves some grace. Her grandmother is dying. Ebony's grandmother is also dying. Like this is, it's so, it is so wild. It's, and I don't think Luann has any interest. I don't, I think Luann is probably confused as to the comments that she's getting on her social right now and has no interest well, in did understanding you notice, I, them. I actually went to Luann's Instagram today because I was like, oh, I bet she's posted something about that. No, nothing. nothing. She literally posted looking forward to the weekend and it was a shot of her looking forward and i was like oh my god what yeah like with the sutton stuff i do think it is a listening issue and i do think that there are some core i think it's there are some core tools that need to be explained to sutton by other white people it is not the responsibility of women of color and black women to explain to her things it is a responsibility of some of the cast members and I do think that that will happen on the reunion I don't I think Sutton's getting a little bit of a quick education right now and I think Rena will try to explain I think Erica Jane will explain I think Kyle is still sort of figuring some stuff out but she's definitely open to it you look at the difference between that and New York where like there is no Ramona it's we know who Ramona is she has revealed herself to us so many times that it actually not to take away from like the danger of Ramona but like it it to me it's like okay put that aside Luann has no interest in hearing listening to whatever it the ways that she was saying things the nasty look in her eyes it was really honestly gross and it wasn't to me a conversation of like oh and now I'm going to understand these things because what I I don't even know where to begin with her it's like the core it's not only is the language inappropriate but the behavior is so wildly problematic behind the language that it would require intense discussion and education which Luann is in no way interested in doing absolutely not I do not think even a little bit I think her it's not even a privilege is blinding thing I think this is genuinely who Luann is at this point and maybe has always been but that's why it also is such a uh you know it's so fascinating that Sonia is always such a wild card because you have Sonia there Mm. who seems like she's hearing every single word coming Mm -hmm. out of ebony's mouth and understanding Mm -hmm. it like sonia is such a wild card to me she is such a mystery where she seems like she nails it sometimes and then she has like and of course alcohol exacerbates her her mood but it is so interesting to watch sonia like sonia is not a dummy like she is not a dummy she gets it and i think she really i mean of course the multicolored fish in the first episode was a little bizarre with sonia but it is (laughs) it is I don't know. Like, to me, that was actually kind of um, reassuring to me to watch her kind of just sit there and, like, you could tell by her face that she heard everything that was happening. She knew exactly what Lou was saying, disagreed with it. Like, I, I, I'm i so excited uh, to see future episodes of how this plays out. I know people are like, well, Roni's off, Roni's this, that. You know, it's like, well, Roni just is not, like, cohesively all together, but I am, I am interested in seeing where this goes. 100%. I completely 
I completely agree. And I just want to reference one thing, which, you know, reality guy, you know, the Instagram. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Love him. So he posted a link to an article that was in Oprah Daily. Oprah Daily? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I think, Oprah Magazine is now Oprah Daily, um, which is the title of the article, Being Colorblind Doesn't Make You Not Racist. In fact, it can mean the opposite. And there's a writer named Samantha v- Vincenti who wrote a piece about the problematic idea of color of saying that you are colorblind and I highlighted one part where she talked about the idea of a colorblind society while well-intentioned leaves people without the language to discuss race and examine their own bias colorblindness relies on the concept that race-based differences don't matter and ignores the reality of systemic racism and then in a conversation with Megan Burke the author of colorblind racism Megan says I'm not the first one to say this but for many white folks being labeled racist is among their worst fears And as we're continuing to learn in this country, for many people of color, black folks in particular, their greatest fear is not surviving an interaction with a police officer. So we're really talking about very different worlds of experience where Sutton, for example, is talking about being labeled a racist as her greatest fear in Southerner, blah, blah, blah. And it's it is, I think, at in the most respectful way disingenuous for her to consistently raise the idea of her southern heritage or whatever being as much an important thing that folks shouldn't um, make stereotypes about as an Asian woman talking about her experience as a woman of color like it's such uneven it's it should not even be a part of the conversation and I think that is something that can be explained to Sutton I do not think she understands it I think she needs to be like metaphorically strapped down to a chair and have the spoon fed to her with no choice but to keep her ears open otherwise it's not going to be listened to with Luann Luann was like actively trying to provoke Ebony yeah, you need to leave so I you don't... do need to leave you know yeah the her calling her an angry pause woman with like a very leering, sneering, Look. I don't know if that's the word. It's, uh, yeah, it was a, na- I just can't stop saying the word nasty. There was so much nasty, nastiness there. And Luann seemed to relish in it. And that is what probably made me most uncomfortable was this isn't, you're trying to gaslight a woman who started practicing law at 23, <laughs> began college at 16, is more educated than you obviously and is trying to defend that education that she worked her ass off to uh, enable her to discuss and be proud of and you're mocking it and making fun of it and I don't think Luann cares to understand why and even there's a moment where Luann's like don't bring when Ebony says something about like white privilege or, or something along those lines. And Luann responds and is like, don't bring up her race. Just like I wouldn't bring up yours, which felt like a challenge to me more than anything else. It was just a really it was an honestly a really ugly look for Lou. I just don't. I didn't like it. Obviously, I, I have I mean, an idea. Understand- no, wait, wait. Are you saying you I mean, didn't like? Wait, I kind of. You know what? Are you on the? Like, are you on the I fence? Like, are you on the it fence? It was a lot of fun. I was like, it was a lot of fun. You know, that was like, you made me let me pitch yeah, you a, a show. Mess. You should do the show called Spoon Fed with Sarah Galley, where you do. 
you do strap you do strap down people like Luann and Sutton and Spoo and and really you don't let them up until they get it, you know? Some critics would argue that that is the motto of yeah, Andy's yeah, girls. The people's oh, wait, couch way, with the, some the thing that upset yeah. me the most about that conversation was that it over it overshadowed Garth's lamb curry. He had built. He had made Which this beautiful great. lamb curry. We all we heard mm-hmm. about was lamb curry for two episodes. We they never get, got him. They yeah. get five bites into this lamb curry, and then all of a sudden. Like and by the way, like and I know how much Sonia hates to miss a meal. Like she must have been mm-hmm. living a free meal. She, well, yeah, like mm-hmm. that's what like she brings Tupperware now to places. I but love like it. I, I love, love that we go from the the, the the nude painting to lamb curry to that. But I think that actually is kind of the perfect way of how twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one potentially is. It just it's all over the place, you know. It is. Um, speaking of all over the place, what's what are your thoughts on Leah these days? You were madly oh in love with her oh and wanted God. her to be yours. And where just, are we? Oh what's the status? So what's funny. happening? So many people like that is so funny. People like are weirdly invested in their like I get DMs like, oh, how do you like her now? Like I mean like <laughs> like people that I don't know, like, oh, are you regretting liking her? You guys, I liked her on a show like I didn't I wasn't like that's the one for me for like it was a joke I did on a podcast I genuinely liked her the first season I did but I'm also not an idiot I have two eyes two ears I can see like I think Leah is going through some stuff I want to give the most I'm going to use the most popular Bravo word right now is I'd like to give Leah grace Mm -hmm. I'd like to give her grace and see Mm -hmm. I know how I was when my grandmother passed away I, mm-hmm. I, but she has come off like a brat at certain times this season. The, it, it, it's really highlighting the discrepancy, not only in age, but in, uh, there are just things that Leah says, I think that are done for, uh, effect and to get a reaction. But at the same time, I do believe that Leah, there is a core there that I really like, but it is funny. I get so many DMs, especially after Roni Ayers with like, how's that bitch now? You know? And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it is so, and it's like, I like, you know, it's like housewives. Like, I don't ever say a favorite housewife because that, like, favorite housewives change from season to season. Like, there have been times when I didn't like to read. There's been times I love to read. Same thing with uh, Rinna. Same thing with, like, I will change my mind multiple times, which is fine. That's why I think these shows actually really work. But the Leah thing, I don't think she's uh, – we're four episodes in or five episodes. She's not having a great season. She's not. Well, I do have to say that's why I, I typically don't ask people who their favorite housewife is. I ask who their spiritual housewife is, which you can interpret in your own way. But I sometimes think of, like, who is the person that you feel like evidences behavior that's mostly most connected to your own or someone whose behavior you most want to avoid. Like, what does when you think of, like, your spiritual housewife, who yeah. does that mean to you? The favorite thing, as you said, goes back and forth. But with the Leah thing, I think it's okay that you said that. And it was like a sweet thing that you had. And tell me, feel free to tell me to go fuck myself. But like, I think that you like had a Bravo Leb crush, which a lot of people have. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think you were proposing marriage to her so much as like slide into my DMs. You know, by the way, not, not in fact, it is very like I. I crack up because I like Leah does not follow me. She's been, I've been tagged in literally every one of her photos multiple times by people. Like she did a, she like, that's what I'm saying. Like I have a vague, I have a vague, um, 
I mean, obviously, she either doesn't know who I am or she's vaguely creeped out by me. Both are accurate feelings to have about me. But I, so many people have tagged me in her. Like, she flipping posted. You mean in comments? They, yeah, in comments. in comments. Yeah, like or like or she'll be uh, like she posted like a sex toy thing the other day. Had so many people have tagged me. By the way, if she's eventually going to know that name, that at so what, why is he being like, why is 10 people tagging him in my sex toy thing? You know, it's bizarre. Like there is, I'm not asking anybody to tag me in her photos, but it is funny. And that kind of embarrasses me. So I kind of shy away from like ever trying or ever. Like I've never really tried to strike up a conversation with Leah. Why don't you have her on your show? I don't think she would do it first off. And I know I, I, but, um, I mean, eventually I will, but at this time I don't like, I had Heather Gay on and I knew exactly what I wanted to say. I really love Heather Mm -hmm. Gay. Spiritually. I'm very close to Heather Gay. Mm -hmm, I really respect what she went through with her divorce. I mean, I relate, Mm -hmm. I I hardly relate to her, like really Mm -hmm. relate to her in certain capacities with Leah. I don't know. I'm still trying to even figure out how I feel. And the other thing I, I want to know more about, the conversion to Judaism that was sprung mm-hmm. on us that first episode. And I, I want to know more of the why I think it's a fascinating, mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like we know that how. why you will. That's the thing is that I, I just, I want to know more about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, because I feel like I, I would have loved a spiritual awakening over coronavirus. I want to know how that, mm-hmm. how that, I want to know more about that. It might not be super sexy, but if you're going to say that, like, I just, that was thrown out there on the first episode and then we didn't really get much more of that. And it's a huge, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. I mean, like it would be great to see and Maybe we will see it. Like I, ho- I really hope so. About dinner or I something. Really, I that really would hope be, so. that would be incredible. And it's, it's possible. It could still happen. There's unfortunately many episodes left to go. Um, when it comes to your conversation with Heather Gay, what was the narrative around your thinking? What bef- in the moments before she came on the pod, like what were what was the framework that you were thinking? It was specific to the her divorce journey. And well, I mean, before reality TV, I had wanted to talk to Heather Gay. Uh, you know, even during the first season, I just think she was one of those unique people that started off at a unique position. Because if you watch the first episode, she's panicking about Lisa mm-hmm. Barlow not giving her attention and calling her a good time girl. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, this girl is in for a ride. She is going to get stomped like a narc at a biker rally. It's going to get like bad for her. <laughs> and and then after that, each episode, she said something or did something that like really impressed me, whether it be Same. her calling herself like like, oh, I'm like this, a flapper with cankles. And she told me in the interview, she's like, I didn't even know. I thought I didn't even know that was going to be I didn't know they like we're going to use audio of that. Like, I thought I was off. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like I was in a car. Like, I, I was being picked up by, I was making sure Jen got away. Like, so there are all of these things that I found fascinating, and especially when she talked about divorce and the loss of religion in that community. That struck such a chord for me, just in terms of my divorce, of you go into this thing never thinking that it will end. And then when you do, I think there's this loss of self and a loss of your own personal trust in yourself of like well i can't be trusted i said this was going to happen and it has not happened and i think there is this kind of because we all saw that or a lot of people saw that was like heather it's great everybody loves you and all that stuff but i saw that and i go i know exactly what she's talking about i know exactly what she means what do you mean by i can't be trusted i'm confused Uh, well i mean if you stand up in front of all of your friends and you say, I oh am my going God. to okay, continue. love this yep. person until the day I'm, we're going to spend the afterlife or all of that. And then it doesn't happen. And then, by the way, it, I'm not saying that it was 
I'm not even saying there is blame on me or my ex or anything like that, but there is this, I meant it when I said it and then it didn't happen. So what, what happens with that? What happens with that truth that you told at the time? What happens to that? And you did it in front of your family, your friends, God, if you believe in that. And, you know, so that to me, we talked about that haunting, like that is a haunting feeling that even when you get past it by years, sometimes you'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, fuck, you know, like you'll remember. It's like that thing that's oh, always wow. there. So I you get haunted by it at times. And I'm not saying you can't get past it. I'm not saying that my life is horrible. I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying that it did happen and you realize that it is something that will that shakes you. You know, and that's why, and that's why when she said at the be when we beginning, she's like, I'm, I'm dead inside. So whatever happens from this point on, and that to me has always felt a little true of like, well, after that fell apart, I, the plans for my life are now, you know, up to whatever happens now I, I'm living on not borrowed time, but I'm living on things that I didn't expect to happen. So I don't know what the next step is. You're telling me two years ago that I would be like, I'll be doing a Bravo podcast. I don't, I couldn't tell you that I would not even have seen that in the future. I knew I love Bravo, but I, I never thought I would be here talking to you one day about it. Well, I mean, it's a little bit of a sliding doors then, right? Exactly. It's like a little bit of the uh, living in a, in possibly in a little bit of a suspended. She state. said she were, and, and remember, she said she would go, like, she would love to, she would sometimes go back, you know? She would have been like, just mm -hmm. to, just to have this back, even though it wasn't love, even though I know it wasn't love or I know it wasn't just so I could, and I, and I, I really, I related to that strongly. I was just like, that is very, and so to me that I, I was speaking to somebody that I understood. So, but, 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 but going into that interview this week, I also knew the Jen Shaw of it all. And also mm. I'm not looking, I never do like a gotcha podcast. I'm not looking right. to get pull quotes. I'm not looking to get an us weekly. I mean, I'd geek out if I was, but I'm not looking for that. So I also want to interview Bravo Lebs down the line. Uh, also Bravo um, didn't, they weren't on the line. Bravo didn't know this was happening. So I was also keenly aware of that. But having said that, she offered up a lot. I mean, she even said, I am not dipping on Jen Shaw. And I said, you know how this looks, right? And she said, I do. I'm not stupid. I'm aware of what is going on. Jenna says she's innocent, but even if it turns out she is not, I believe in amends. I believe in making amends. I believe in forgiveness. I believe in, you know, she will be, you know, like she said these things, but she said, I, I will find out, but I'm not, I've never been the person to dip out on a friend. And she really was holding by that. And she, I think knows you know, and in fact, I've seen people talk about that and said, oh, I'm out on her. I'm out now. Like that's, but I was trying to look at it from that perspective of, I mean, in fact, I've thought about this a lot this week of like, how far do you go with the friendship and how far, when do you make that call? Like, when do you go, whoa, she is guilty because from what Heather is saying, Jenna said, I am innocent in to a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Heather. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough when it's examining a friendship, but that friendship is being shown on reality TV. It's they're not just a friend; they're a friend in your coworker. Well, you can say you're never going to talk to them, but you still have to film with them. So she it's said, not "Well, and that's and that was the other crazy thing too." Was she was like, because when I had heard that initial arrest, out, I was like, "Oh, filming's done. This there's no second season. This is like that complete." And she she goes, 
I she said she thought the same thing. She was like, oh, we're done. Mm. There is no second season at this point. We're not for the foreseeable future. And she said she filmed the entire thing. And I was like, well, that could be self-serving. <laughs> but she said there is something. She showed up, you know, and it doesn't seem like they were, like, just great with her. So I'll be curious I think they and I and like I told her they're in a really rare situation where a lot of people mm-hmm. will go into a second season of a show and be like, well, is this going to is this going to be good? Do they have anything to talk about? And mm-hmm. now they have one of the most insane things to like. I mean, I was saying, like, wouldn't it be, like we're at a point where I mean, who knows? An FBI agent might have a talking head this season. There might be a minor character that is the same FBI agent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know. Like, Bravo probably is doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. But having whatever happens here is probably going to really play a part in whatever happens in Beverly Hills at this point, too, in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think what gives so many people hope is that pre the Tom Michigas, there are so many different storylines and there's so much energy. And my hope is that the rest of the season doesn't become solely about the Erica Jane stuff and I really don't think it will I just think this Beverly Hills is having such a strong season that Salt Lake City should take some solace in the in knowing that you can still have a really great season when crazy shit is going down and is happening where one day things are normal and the next day it's a whole new world so what is funny though kind of go on I mean how do you I mean you're right but it'll be interesting to see this next week and what that tone is like how do you yes. go how do you go from criminal charges to i'm lisa i have a lip kit i've been meaning <laughs> to do this for 15 years like it's just the the weight there is so dis, disproportioned you know right yeah it's going to be it's going to be a very delicate balancing act shout out to those editors who all deserve a bonus you card. guys like, and by the way there should be, be a document i would love a documentary someday about the making of a season of one of these things because I stay up at night thinking about what they're thinking about. Like I really, and not even, I would never even, I just want to know, like, I want to know what conversations were had. I want to know contingency plans that were put into place. I want to know how hard they thought about this and like what, those conversations to me, it's the same thing with Vanderpump Rules coming back. I want to know what the conversations were. How do you go about fixing a show and then still letting it breathe and be a reality. Like I want to know what goes into, into these things. Well, there was that um, behind the scenes special for OC's 100th episode or 100th, whatever the fuck it was. And it was a behind the scenes special and people really did go all in. Like Tamara was very shady to Gretchen. There was like the kids were involved, you know, like their uh, Gina's kids um, participated. There was a lot that was discussed that was like seemingly very juicy and it was combo of cast members and production. And it was for some 200th episode. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was like some big moment for Orange County, maybe 10 years or something. I really couldn't tell you, which makes me think that there will be more of this. I think that there, Bravo is very, very sensitive to what kind of information they'll reveal and how they'll package it. And my hope is that we get more. I mean, BravoCon is the greatest example of that. The producers panels at BravoCon are the, that is exactly what you're looking for. You get in, and it's not on TV. It's like these, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll see you there. Panels. I geek out about the, I mean, like, but, well, <laughs> you'll I mean, love, you'll love. I mean, it really is one of those things. And I know Bravo, like you said, is very protective. Anytime I've had Bravo involved in interviewing a Bravo Leb, 
Like those are the things that I usually have to cut out is when we talk about production. They, mm -hmm. I mean, of course it's like loosened up a little with Bravo, Bravo, effing Bravo and these like cut things, but they really want to keep it where you don't realize there's, this is being filmed by actual human people. Like there mm -hmm. is this edict that is thrown down somewhere along the way. And to me, I think the future is all of that. I think the future is that marriage between production and, you know, audiences are so savvy these days. The Bravo audiences are some of the smartest people I've ever talked to in my life. I try to keep up most of the time. Um, and I just want, I think that is part of the future of the survival of these things of like really telling the truth. You're trying to show the truth on, on the screen. So like part of that truth is that this is being filmed, you know? And I think you began the episode by talking about how do we get more people involved and maybe we end the episode with this is an example why for or, or how rather for someone who's brand new to Bravo and doesn't uh, totally understand the concept of it or the dedication or conversation, maybe the introduction, the introduction to the Bravo world through those kinds of conversations where you're combining the plot on TV with the production of the plot on TV, maybe that's a way to get more people involved. It might, it might be just literally that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and I think it's all about that and building out the universe. We have this mm -hmm. amazing Bravo universe, but you look at what 90 day fiance has done, whether you like it or hate it, they have built out this universe, this, this 90 mm -hmm. day universe now. And you're like, mm -hmm. well, that's great. You wouldn't have expected that five years ago when 90 day fiance was on, but they, you know, they realize people want to see what these characters are doing in different iterations. They're giving them GoPros. They're doing like, they're doing this on the cheap. And I know Bravo mm -hmm. has a higher standard in how they film, but that's why I am so proud that Bravo finally is are are doing things like uh you know uh housewife all-stars or the mashup summer house mm -hmm. winter lucky charms captain <laughs> crunch you know like i a horrible name but i like the idea i like it's like totally get your head in the game start making this feel like a family it is so make you know we know this universe backwards and forwards so you can start to play with bending that universe around in different iterations and i think that just going to make us more rabid and then it gives more attention where people are like what is that thing that's crazy you put a bunch of ladies that have been on a island and and just see what happens like i think that's the you know throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks before you know because 90 day at this point i keep bringing it up but like they get three times the ratings of most bravo shows and to me that is ridiculous i like 90 day fiance i watch it but to me there's no reason for that to be happening when bravo has what it has yeah, I would. My only concern would be oversaturation. That there is a specific kind of um, uh, storytelling that happens with Bravo, and I, I don't want them to be throwing pasta against the wall. But I do think that they are working out now how to give more to those of us who want more content without actually. They're they're experimenting with what that content would look like so that we can marry some of these worlds because there's nothing that all of us love more than to see you know I mean it's like the Andy baby shower why wasn't that film so it's I like, know there are these I, moments I mean you're right I mean it will that could that but that would have been the a, shows that will happen as a result I mean that is my four part Halston series by Ryan Murphy I <laughs> one day I will make a, a limited miniseries about the production of Andy's baby shower why was John Mayer the only mm -hmm. guy there why was I mean there are questions that need to be answered that we and, and you know like you said it's not about throwing the pasta up against the wall and it's definitely not about the pasta as we know okay i'll see myself <laughs> out i'll see myself out i'll see myself out ryan
Bailey. A delight as always. Well, where can, how can, what can, just go, listen, just Todd, go subscribe. Tell just, me. just go, uh, so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. Um, there's a lot of content. Just pick and choose. Sarah's on a bunch of episodes. You can start there if you want to start. You know, I had Heather on this week, Danny on this week. Mm. I, I had, there's some really great discussions. There's some silly stuff. My parents are on it. It's kind of like a weird variety show at times. And uh, we do Kardashians on there. But pick and choose. It's it's not something that you need to listen to one and figure it out to listen to another. You can just kind of start and see what you like and, and poke around. Um, and if it's your cup of tea, amazing. I welcome you. I, I, I think I want you a part of the family. But if not... There's so many amazing pod. Like we're we're really in this kind of golden age of podcasting. I feel like we talk about with TV, but with podcasting, so many amazing voices that highlight so many different experiences. And if mine's not, I mean, my experience is what I'm just like podcasting. We just want to keep podcasting, you know. <laughs> yes, I agree. And so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. It's just silliness. <laughs> there it's we silliness. go. Just silliness. It's complete silliness um, with a lot of substance, and I love it. And guys, speaking of love, join the Annie Joel's Patreon. 90-minute Patreon bonus episode of this week, plus bonus episodes with Joe Gunn talking about Mayor of Easttown and Bethany Frankel <laughs> and Leah Palmieri talking about more Mayor of Easttown and hacks and so much. A lot of TV talk, a lot of TV talk, a lot of self-care talk, a lot of talk, talk, girl talk, any kind of talk. <laughs> Um, Patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls, the number one way to support the pod, aside from subscribing and leaving AG a five-star review. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. You know what would be great? What? Sorry, at Dame Galley. I didn't even give the full handle, at Dame Galley. So hair appointment in a couple weeks. There's no way this is going to happen, but I would really like to get to – this could happen. Okay, let's let's keep things optimistic. Oh, uh, 10,000 followers. A hundred percent. But in the meantime, en route to 10, I would like to get to 7,000 followers before my hair appointment. Oh, yeah. Because while I still have a blowout, I want to go to Party City and maybe not buy the balloon that says seven, but certainly <laughs> ask if I can, can hold I it hold and then take the a really great <laughs> photo because I'm the cheapest person alive. <laughs> I want to do it. So, guys, if you're not following me on Instagram, force your friends, log into your parents, whatever. They don't know what, where they are. So just Wait, add also me. just create multiple accounts, you guys. Like if wh yes. whoever, which, which uh, Andy's, Andy's gal will – whoever can create a 1,000 accounts is going to yes. be the top Andy's gal for the month. We're just talking 300 follows so between quick. now and my hair color's on the 12th. No, wait, no, wait, my hair cut's on the 12th. We, my color's on the 14th. If, like, we can, on. if we can get you to 10 before then, will, would you shave 10 into your head? Uh, I would do. I would shave 10 <laughs> literally wherever. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Literally oh my God. wherever. Oh, my God. I just feel I feel like we're losing Patreon Violated. subscribers Violated. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> no, they love it. I just got three more. Um, guys... <laughs> Getting vaccinated if you can. Ryan Bailey, you're, you know you're wonderful. I hope you know you're wonderful. I don't know that, you but thank you. Know. I don't. Do I, you're wonderful. Have I told you lately that I love you? <laughs> On that note, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.